Hey guys, welcome to That Florida Feeling. Y'all having a great week? I hope you are. I'm glad to know that we all like sweet tea. I'm sorry guys, this has been kind of a bad week for me. Uh, I deeply apologize. I'm going to need to replay an episode this week. I'm sorry that I couldn't get new content out. Um, I'll be back next week with new episodes. If you have a second, I'd really appreciate a review. Um, It just helps the podcast. Uh, Thank you to everybody who listens. Thank you everybody who interacts with the Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and TikTok um, pages. I really appreciate each and every one of you. I love you guys, and I will see you next week. Hey guys, welcome back to That Florida Feeling. How are you doing this week? You ready for Thanksgiving? I can't believe it's a week away. Gosh. Thank you guys for participating in the Facebook and Instagram polls. Glad to know that the majority of us like stuffing or dressing, whichever one you prefer to call it. And for telling me your favorite side dishes on Instagram. A lot of those sound super yummy. Uh, Really big thanks to everybody who's been liking the Facebook page. We had a lot of new likes this week. You guys are amazing. So welcome to everybody who liked that. Thank you so much. Also, don't forget to check out the Facebook group. Tend to post fun memes and do another poll and questions on that one as well. So don't forget to interact with both. Also, the Instagram page. You guys are just amazing again. Thank you so much for all the likes and follows on it. Uh, Did you guys get to see the space launch that I got to film? I thought that was so cool. It was something random and exciting, and I had never gotten to see one before. It was so fun. You could actually see the whole thing from standing on Cocoa Beach. Although, I was not expecting it to be loud. Like, it was loud. I'm sure you guys, if you watch the video, you hear me asking that like four times. But that was something really cool. Just another fun part of living in Florida. And thank you to everybody who has liked, subscribed, followed, turned on your notifications for this podcast. I love that I still get to do this for you guys. If you have a second, though, five-star review would be great on Apple. It just helps to get the podcast out there to people. Thank you for that. So last week, as I mentioned, we were going to talk about something fun in Florida, and we're going to talk about pirates. Are you imagining Johnny Depp? Orlando Bloom? Maybe somebody from the TV show Black Sails? Which, by the way, is a really good pirate show. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. It's really good. Um... (laughs) But pirates are really an important part of Florida. Uh, Florida was not exempt from pirate attacks. In fact, some parts of Florida saw numerous pirate attacks. And Florida also was a really good natural safe haven for pirates to seek shelter because of how Florida is. And, you know, maybe they even buried their treasure here, guys. We don't know. Maybe really one day we'll find that treasure map and X will mark the spot and you'll find some long lost treasure. Who knows? I know that there is a treasure coast in Florida, but it's not completely from pirates, not directly. But that doesn't mean that pirate treasure couldn't be buried there as well. I mean, we've all heard stories of pirates and their maps and their fearsome ships and piratey things. Um, So you never know. Maybe one day we'll find that here in Florida. And of course, pirates did play a big role in Florida. I mean, we even have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Which, by the way, I had to look up what the difference between a privateer and a buccaneer was. A privateer was someone who was basically hired to stop other ships. And, of course, piracy ensued. Whatever happens out there happens out there. And just don't tell anybody when you go back to land kind of thing. And as long as everybody gets treasure, I guess, nobody talks kind of thing. But a buccaneer 
is, was actually named for the type of meat that they would eat. So basically they would set up little camps on shore and they would eat this, I'm going to call it preserved meat, but it's basically dried meat that they equivalent to like beef jerky or jerky. So it was actually, sounds more like a French term and I'm going to completely botch this because being Southern doesn't mean you can pronounce half the stuff correctly, but it's like boucanier. And, but it basically, that's the term for the kind of meat they eat. So that's how they got their name. And now we call them the buccaneers. So naturally, me explaining all that tells you that piracy has obviously been around for a pretty long time. And actually, it's probably been around since people started sailing the oceans and the seas. So what is piracy? Well, piracy, by definition, is an act of robbery or criminal violence by a ship or a boat-born attacker. So to be a pirate, you must have a ship or a boat, and you must attack people from it while attacking another ship or a coastal area with the intent to steal cargo or valuables or people. I love that they had people. You can steal people now. Um, and of course, the earliest reports of piracy are from the 14th century BC, when a group of ocean raiders attacked ships and settlements in the Aegean and Mediterranean civilizations. So it's been around a long time. And of course, pirate attacks tend to happen in certain areas where the geographical features create a narrow channel or an area that creates a predictable route, such as the English Channel, the Straits of Gibraltar, and, of course, the Straits of Florida. Now, we know that pirate attacks happen to this day, but they aren't with swords and cannons and large wooden ships. Now they're with fast boats and assault rifles, which kind of seem more scary than seeing a large wooden ship looming in the horizon. But it is what it is. Still seems a little scary to me, though. Now, piracy in North American Florida really started in the early 17th century, and that's because English privateers were getting discharged from service after the Anglo-Spanish War, and they turned to piracy. Had to make ends meet somehow, um, and they knew how to sail, so why not make the most of it? But most of the pirates that were in or around Florida didn't just come from one spot in Europe. It, they came from a lot of different parts of Europe. So British, Spanish, Portuguese, uh, Dutch. And of course, the earliest piracy in Florida centers around the shipping routes that were, that were happening because of the English and the Spanish settlement in the New World. And that really pretty much took them from one side of the Gulf of Mexico around Florida through the Caribbean and back over to Europe. And, of course, the early settlements in Florida, such as St. Augustine, which was actually sacked by pirates not once but numerous times, kind of helped to create the pirate lore that Florida has today. And, of course, Florida was close to the pirate havens in the Bahamas and the Dry Tortugas and Port Royal. And being in the route that they used to unload their goods and then send them up to New York, Canada, or other parts of the world, it meant that Florida did not escape piracy by any means. And it wasn't just one area that dealt with piracy, but really most of Florida. Of course, the larger encounters were Key West, Tampa, St. Augustine, and even up to Fernandina Beach. Fernandina Beach, for those of you who haven't heard of it, is a little bit, it's on the, it's of course on the coast, and it's by Jacksonville, so it's north of St. Augustine. And the reason that Fernandina Beach became a pirate haven is really because of its harbor. So it had a naturally deep harbor or port that let pirate ships enter during low tide and Fernandina Beach really saw its pirate boom in the 17th and 18th centuries and they embraced it and they still embrace it to this day. They actually have a ghost tales and pirate lore tour about the history of Fernandina Beach that you can take which sounds really cool and I'm probably going to add that to my Florida bucket list. 
Now, the history of pirates in Fernandina Beach includes some famous names such as Captain Kidd, Jean Lafitte, and, of course, Jose Gaspar. And as we know, Fernandina Beach is not the only city to embrace its pirate history. St. Augustine has also embraced it, especially since it was sacked a couple times by pirates, thanks to Sir Francis Drake, to name one of them, in the late 16th century. But St. Augustine actually has a pirate museum that you can visit and learn about the piracy in Florida, as well as it also takes you to... I believe it's Port Royal in Jamaica and shows you kind of how pirate would have looked back in the day, which is kind of cool. And, of course, another place that really experienced piracy to its fullest is the Florida Keys. And that's because it was pretty much a lawless area where no one dared to venture. Makes it a perfect place. And not just the Florida Keys, but a lot of Florida made it a great place for pirates to hide or set up havens due to the geographical features that make up Florida, such as the inlets, the bays, the rivers, and the marshes that make up the Sunshine State. And of course, the pirates learned the waterways, which gave them a lead on warships chasing them, and they could head head in from the coast and hide on the rivers and the marshes, and that even allowed their ships to remain hidden, especially in the mangrove swamps. One part of Florida that really is fascinating and really had was a safe haven for pirates was Anclote. Anclote's in Pasco County, which is on the west side of Florida, And it's really known as a pirate hangout thanks to its geographical features because it sat on the the mouth of the Anklot River. Now, the spot was actually marked on maps in the 1500s, and that was actually due to a Spanish well that existed there, and it actually still exists to this day. But what was important about that was that it was fresh water. Of course, Pirates being in the ocean, you can't drink salt water. You'll dehydrate yourself. You'll make yourself sick. So they had to have supplies of fresh water on their ships. And not just pirates, really anybody sailing the ocean, had to have a pretty good supply of fresh water on these ships. And most of the time, it was anchor the ship in deeper water, take your little boats to the shore, trek into wherever you're at, pray that nothing big eats you, find a supply of fresh water, now pray it's not poisoned, carry all this fresh water, which, as you know, water is heavy, back to these little boats, get these little boats back onto the ship, unanchor yourself, and sail away. All that creates a massive delay and leaves you very vulnerable to pirates. So, Anklot was really important because it let them have a place where they could basically sail right up to it and sail right back out. And they could hide while they were re- refreshing their water supply. So that was really important. Now, the golden age of piracy in the Gulf of Mexico was from about 1650 to about 1730. And piracy really picked up this time because of the Spanish. Of course, everything in the New World really is because of the Spanish, in all honesty. But it was mainly this time because the Spanish was moving treasure from its new colonies and settlements in the Americas back to Europe, which actually took them through the Gulf of Mexico, down the side of Florida, around the Keys over to the Caribbean and up to Europe. And because these routes were so well known, this pretty much made it an easy place for people to pick off ships. And because everybody was trying for these new areas, it meant that there was no real authority in the area, so pirates ran rampant. Pretty much lawless and everybody did their own thing. They actually estimate that around 5,000 pirates sailed the Florida Straits and the Gulf Coast from 1715 to 1726, which is 11 years, you guys. 5,000 pirates in 11 years. You can imagine how much treasure is buried and plundered. 
And of course, piracy picked up again after that in the 1800s because of the fighting between the French, English, and the newly founded U.S. Now, Florida did remain a place for hiding in pirate havens and treasure and pretty much anything during the age of piracy. But of course, piracy declined as the European powers became less hostile towards one another and decided to start getting along. So that meant they could go after these lawless groups of people. But the rumors and legends of piracy in Florida persist to this day. We do know that pirates were here, and we even knew that they did hide their loot on the sunny shores of Florida. Hernando County on the west side of the state is actually said to be one place that treasure was hidden due to the marshes and rivers in that area. Another place, which I'm sure you can guess, is the Everglades. After having spoke about the Everglades in my last podcast, it just is a massive swampy area that was obviously said to be visited by pirates because of how easy it was to get into the area, the waterways, and then again to get lost there. Maybe there is treasure actually buried in the Everglades. I, for one, feel that there are too many big things that could eat me and will probably not be one to go find out. Now, the Florida Keys, like I said, was another hotspot for piracy because it wasn't settled by anyone and people could come and go as they pleased. Everybody kind of basically got their own island. Fun fact, Key West wasn't actually settled until the 1800s. And I didn't know that. I thought it was for some reason settled way earlier But as soon as it was settled, the U.S. sent Navy fleets to get rid of the pirates who would try to hide on other keys in the mangrove swamps. So the U.S. didn't put up with piracy, as you can tell. Now, like I said, piracy helped shape the state of Florida and its history. And one of the first pirates to actually do so was Sir Francis Drake. Now, who was Drake? Drake was an English explorer, a sea captain, a privateer, and part pirate. He actually worked for the English his whole career, but was branded a pirate by the Spanish because of his attacks on their settlements and fleets. So I guess one man's privateer is another man's pirate. I don't know. I just think it's funny that you're doing right for one, but you're doing wrong for the other. So I guess it's all in the eye of the beholder. But Drake was branded a pirate. And Drake actually led a lot of raids against Spanish settlements, uh, mainly in the Caribbean. And then he turned his sights on what is present-day St. Augustine. And in doing so, he actually kind of helped to shape not only St. Augustine, but the Spanish's involvement in their new colony. Uh, He took 23 ships with him and captured St. Augustine before he basically laid waste to it in late May of 1586. Now, he operated as a privateer under Queen Elizabeth I, and because of laying waste to St. Augustine, that really is what led to having the fort that you know today being built, but as well as Fort Matanzas, which is further down the inlet, and if you ever get the chance to go to Fort Matanzas, you should go. It's actually a really fun little fort to visit. There's not a lot to it, but it's definitely an important stronghold, because the Spanish could signal St. Augustine, because it's not that far, not maybe 10 miles, not even 10 miles away. No, it's got to be closer than that. It's down A1A, but so Drake sacking the town actually is what created the stronghold for Spain, from Spain to allow not only their settlements to be protected, but also to help shape where the Spanish would continue to go in Florida. Now, another pirate that made Florida a haven was Edward Teach. Now, that name might sound familiar to you, or the name Blackbeard might sound more familiar. Blackbeard was one of the most famous and feared pirates in the age of piracy. Now, Teach actually took up residence in the Bahamas, but he preferred to patrol the waters of the Florida Straits as a pirate. He would attack ships heading back to Europe that were loaded with treasure, take it for his own. He would also sail up the coast of Florida and take the Spanish vessels 
and actually used the tre- not just the treasure, but the ships in his own private fleet. Now, Teach would actually sail the waters around Florida until he gave up the pirate life to live and die in North Carolina. I don't know, man. North Carolina's cold. I'd have just stayed in Florida. But okay. Now, another famous pirate that called Florida water his own was Black Caesar. You might have heard the name. Black Caesar was an African war chief that was captured by slave traders because they lured him on the ship with the promise of food and music and shiny things. So Black Caesar went to the boat, ship, with 20 men, and they fed him, they gave him alcohol, they showed him all these pretty things that they were promised to give him, and as they, were, they had him distracted, the ship sailed away, capturing Black Caesar and his men. Now, of course, Black Caesar tried to escape, but he accepted his fate, and he was, he was captured. And, of course, Black Caesar was going to be taken to the New World, and as they sailed toward Florida and a much harsher life, a hurricane would hit. Of course, hurricanes in Florida just kind of go together. And it hit, it hit about the time they neared the Florida Reefs, which is pretty much right outside of modern-day Key West. Now, Caesar had made a friend while he was on this ship, and it was the only person he would take food from, the only person he would communicate with. And this man felt bad that Caesar was going to, be, to basically go down with the ship, so he freed him. And, of course, as he, his friend freed him, they saw the opportunity to save themselves so they took a longboat, some ammo and supplies, and left the doomed ship as the hurricane hit. And they were pushed ashore by the storm where they sought shelter. And reportedly, they're the only two people that survived from that ship. Now, what did they do? They did what they always did, what they knew to do. They took the longboat and they would lure ships passing by to stop and help two stranded shipwrecked sailors just get back home. How would they do it? They would sail out to these ships, and when they were close enough, they would pull out their guns and demand ammo, food, and other supplies with the promise that they would sink the ship if they didn't get what they wanted. I'd probably just give them what they wanted. And they did this numerous times for a long time, and they even said to get a pretty sizable amount of treasure. And their haven was actually reported to be on Elliott Key, which is where their treasure is said to be, and that's between Key Largo and Miami, just kind of south of Homestead. Now, Caesar and his friend had a good thing going until a woman. Of course, everything goes bad over a woman. And Caesar killed his friend over this woman. And that really meant that he could do what he wanted. So he began to amass a crew to continue to plunder ships that passed by. He even decided that at some point he just wanted to take the whole ship because he wanted to be able to sail out and attack ships in open water. And he did. And he was actually able to avoid capture thanks to Florida's many different waterways that I talked about using the mangrove swamps or different keys to escape. Now, Black Caesar had a really unique way of, of hiding his boat when trouble came. And I'm going to tell you about it, but to me it just seems like such a time-consuming effort. But it worked. They would flip the boat and hide it in the water until danger passed. And what they do is they would run a, sh- a rope through the metal rings to hold the boat down in the water. Once trouble passed, they would raise the boat, get rid of the water, and go right back out to raiding ships that passed by. I feel that is ingenious, but has got to be an extraordinarily long process. And he continued to do this. He continued to amass a wealth of treasure. And even there's even reported to be 26 bars of silver on Elliot Key. So maybe one day we'll find that. Now, Black Caesar didn't just stop at raiding ships. He decided that he wanted to create his own community. He, said, he was said to have a harem of women that were over, that was numbered over 100 women that he had seized from passing ships. 
He had a prison camp where he kept his prisoners that he wanted to use for ransom in his own small community. Nonetheless, he was still ruthless, and so when he would go out on raids, he would leave the prisoners to starve to death while he was away. A few people actually managed to escape, the isle- escape onto the island, away from his camp. And a lot of people actually still think that, that that island is haunted to this day. Is it Black Caesar roaming looking for his treasure? Is it the prisoners who died there? Is it the people who ended up having to live there by none of their own choices? Or is it just an alligator? Who knows? I'm not going to go find out. But if you guys want to, go ahead. Now... Black Caesar eventually left that area and decided he wanted something more. So he went to join Blackbeard's crew. He wanted to raid more, get more treasure, get bigger ships. So he sailed up the coast of of the U.S. towards North Carolina. Joined up with Blackbeard and even became a lieutenant on Blackbeard's main ship, the Queen Anne's Revenge. Of course, Caesar joining Blackbeard would actually be his downfall. Blackbeard was retired, but he wanted one more final heist we'll call it a heist attack loot whatever and he went out to he went out to get it well he chose the wrong ship and black caesar was on that ship with blackbeard and blackbeard was stabbed to death so black caesar decided that he was going to try to light a powder magazine and blow the ship to pieces because you never want an enemy to get your ship So as he was trying to light the powder magazine, he was restrained before he was able to do so, which meant he was captured. He was taken to Williamsburg, convicted of piracy, and eventually hanged as a pirate. So Black Caesar had an interesting life. The only problem with that is that we don't know if it actually happened. There's no actual physical evidence that Black Caesar ever existed. Now, we know the locations are real. Obviously, we can go visit them to this day. But we don't know if he actually existed in these locations. The connection to Blackbeard could be made, could be real. It could be made up to make Blackbeard seem fearsome or Black Caesar to have a better reputation. We don't know. What we do know was is that he is a legend. And he was so feared through the Florida Straits and Keys that sailors feared him in that area. So whether he's real or not, or whoever made him up did their job, and scared the crap out of everybody sailing through that area. Now, the next pirate didn't really roam Florida so much as he just wanted to attack it. Englishman Robert Searles was a pirate that forever changed one part of Florida. He decided to follow in Sir Francis Drake's shoes and attack St. Augustine. But he did it in spectacular fashion. He captured a ship that was actually going to St. Augustine, and he used it as camouflage to sail into the harbor as they waited. And so, basically, they took it over, and they waited in the decks below. And they told the people that they had to sail into St. Augustine, who were probably fearing for their lives. So, he did this because he knew when they sailed into St. Augustine that a harbor pilot would come out to the ship and make sure that they weren't pirates, that the ship was legit, that they weren't going to take over the city. It was supposed to be a fail-safe method to protect the city against another attack. But it didn't really work. The harbor pilot was also taken hostage and hidden by the crew. And he was forced to give the all-clear. So they sailed into St. Augustine. But they sailed in and waited. They didn't just run out and attack. They waited until midnight. They waited until the town was asleep where no one was roaming the streets. And... They came out with guns blazing and chaos erupted. 
And they were met with little resistance because it was a surprise attack. So they were free to pillage, plunder, and murder people in the town. They actually killed about 60 people, which at that time was about a fourth of a pop- the population. That's a lot of people. And they basically took anybody that wasn't pure Spanish blood into sa- slavery. They held predominant citizens for ransom. And they did release them, but they um, were given food, supplies, tools, and other things that they had deemed to be part of their ransom. But they didn't destroy the city like Drake had. But they did take drawings of the harbor to make sure that if they wanted to return, they knew exactly how. Now, the attack on St. Augustine by Searles was that final straw to get Castillo de San Marco built. Uh, Drake started it. Searles finished it. And they had been so upset by Drake's Drake sacking the city that when Searles did it, this was it. They were not going to let St. Augustine fall because it was such a strategic place for Spain in the New World. So that's, that's today is why we have Castillo de San Marco. Another pirate that roamed the Florida waters was Henry Jennings. And he was one of the few pirates that actually acquired treasure, like real treasure. Now, the Spanish had been sailing up and down the coast for years, but in 1715, something bad happened. A hurricane smashed the Spanish fleet into the Florida coast. And the ship was heavy with treasure. Fun fact, that's where we get the treasure coast from, is from this hurricane. The ship was so heavy with treasure that when it was torn apart, it created a line of treasure from what is today modern-day Melbourne to Port St. Lucie. And it sat in shallow water, and it wasn't far offshore. It was about 100 yards offshore. And the rumor of the treasure got around the Caribbean. Of course, the Spanish were racing back to Cuba to get what they needed to salvage the wrecked treasure. And the rest of the Caribbean was racing towards the treasure to get it before the Spanish could. Now, Jennings was a captain and a landowner of Jamaica, and after hearing the rumor, he gathered a crew to sail out of Port Royal. And he had a ship named the Bathsheba, and he sailed it to Florida, where he found the Spanish trying to salvage what they could from the wreck near what is present-day Sebastian Inlet. And he attacked the Spanish encampment, that was on land and stole 340,000 pieces of eight from a lightly guarded storehouse. And he did all this without killing anyone. You could say he got greedy because he even went back a second time to steal more. Again, he didn't kill anyone. You'd think the Spanish would have learned. He actually got a royal pardon and became one of the few to retire a wealthy former pirate. Now, the last pirate I'm going to talk about today is one that roamed Florida. And I've actually talked to him about, about him before in my Florida Myths episode, and that is Jose Gaspar. Jose Gaspar was a Spanish pirate who is said to be the last of the buccaneers. He was a legendary pirate who terrorized the Gulf of Mexico for many years from his base in southwest Florida. Now, we don't know much about his life or really if he even existed. But he was said to be a pirate during the Spanish, second Spanish period in Florida, And he amassed a huge fortune by ransacking many ships sailing past and taking hostages for ransom. Nobody really agrees on Gaspar's life. Uh, They say he was in the Spanish Navy until he was overlooked for a promotion, got mad, and turned to piracy. He could have led a mutiny and turned to piracy. Or he could have been a Spanish noble who stole the Spanish crown jewels and became a pirate. Either way, he had an interesting background. And he was said to have settled in the uninhabited part of South Florida. Kind of close to... Uh, probably between Sarasota and Fort Myers, near that area, near Port Charlotte and Northport. And he used his ship, the Flora Blanca, to roam the waters of the Gulf of Mexico. He actually made his base on Gasparel Island and used what is today Captiva Island to hold his prisoners. 
fitting name. And Gaspar continued his piracy until 1821 when he decided he was going to do one last act of piracy. He attacked a camouflaged U.S. naval schooner and a battle ensued. He picked the wrong ship. Now, Gaspar, not being one to let someone else tell him how, to, how his life was going to end, he wrapped an anchor chain around his waist and jumped. He went down with his ship because he wasn't going to be taken alive. Of course, the crew was captured and hanged, but not everybody. In fact, one was said to escape, and that one person was said to have been John Gomez. He was said to have been on Gasparilla's crew, and he was the one who told everybody about Jose Gaspar. Now, Gomez was said to be on Gasparilla's crew, and Gomez was a real person. But we don't know a lot about Gomez because he never told people his real age. And he had amazing adventure stories from all over. Nobody knew if they were real or made up. Um, he lived on Panther Key, which is South Florida. And he is possibly, probably one of Florida's real-life pirates that lived and survived the golden age of piracy and lived to tell about it. Now, whether he was with Jose Gaspar or even Black Caesar, nobody knows. But he was real. And he was probably really a pirate. So we do have one real-life pirate here in Florida. Now, a few other notable pirates that sailed around the Florida were Anne Bonnie, who was a notorious woman and a very mean pirate, and Calico Jack, or Jack Rackham. Uh, he sailed the Caribbean in the Florida waters. Fun fact, he's also the pirate that came up with the Jolly Roger. So the skull and crossbones, that was him. Captain Kidd was also said to be around these waters during the Golden Age of Piracy and probably was even the inspiration for La Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island. Jean Lafitte, who was a pirate to have roamed the Gulf of Mexico during the early 1800s, stayed towards Louisiana but did venture towards Florida every now and then. And all these pirates have given Florida a very interesting history. Pirates may just make up a small part of it, but it is a very interesting part of it. And of course, the history of pirates is still celebrated in Florida. In fact, a lot of cities in Florida actually host pirate festivals. You ever heard of Gasparilla? If you live near Tampa, you have. Tampa holds Gasparilla every year to celebrate the famed Jose Gaspar and his capture of Tampa by the Flora Blanca, complete with a parade and flotillas. St. Augustine actually celebrates Searles and Drake's sack of the city. Fort Lauderdale has a pirate festival in April. Fort Walton Beach celebrates Billy Bowlegs and has become the longest-running pirate festival. I have seen the Billy Bowlegs festival, and while Billy Bowlegs probably is not a real pirate, it's still a fun festival to get to attend. And, of course, you can find many more up and down the coast of Florida for kids, for adults, beer festivals, pretty much anything. You can find something for everyone at any of these numerous pirate festivals. And you can learn about the history, feel like pirate for a day, get some good food, probably get some good beer. But the one thing you've still got to watch out for while, while enjoying piracy is Florida Man. And I'm sure if Florida Man was a pirate, he probably would have been a bad one. So the Florida man we're going to talk about today is from Vero Beach, fitting since it's the Treasure Coast. A Florida man was arrested for drunk driving and smoking THC because he was preparing for Jesus' return. I believe he was preparing for something. I don't know if it was Jesus or he needed to meet Jesus, but he was preparing for something, y'all. Woo, stay away from drugs. Alright guys, I hope you've enjoyed this fun episode. I had fun writing it. I Pirates, pirates really are interesting something fun to think about and how free it could have been but 
still part of Florida's history, so it's fun to talk about. If you guys have anything you want to hear in particular in Florida, let me know. You can email me at thatfloridafeel at gmail.com. You can message me on Instagram or Facebook. I tend to answer usually pretty quickly. Suggestions are always welcome. Maybe it's something I hadn't even thought of that's interesting for Florida. Again, don't forget to turn on notifications. I don't want you guys to miss any new episodes. And if you have a second, that five-star review is super appreciated. It really helps me out. You guys stay amazing. Enjoy your turkey or whatever you choose to eat. Enjoy your time with your family. Be nice. By the way, if you're doing a friend's Thanksgiving or Friendsgiving, I think that's awesome. I just want to say that. Sometimes friends can be much better than family. So enjoy whatever you decide to do to give thanks. Don't forget to wear your sunscreen. Drink plenty of water. And as always, guys, that is your daily dose of sunshine.